And we're going to be looking at the passage Matthew 15, 1 to 20. So if you'd like to find it in your Bibles and then I'll read it. Matthew 15, 1 to 20. Then some Pharisees and teachers of the law came to Jesus from Jerusalem and asked, Why do your disciples break the tradition of the elders? They don't wash their hands before they eat. Jesus replied, And why do you break the command of God for the sake of your tradition? For God said, Honour your father and mother, and anyone who curses father or mother is to be put to death. But you say that if anyone declares that what has been being used to help father or mother is devoted to God, they are not to honour their father and mother with it. Thus you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites! Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honour me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen and understand. What goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Then the disciples came to him and asked, Do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this? He replied, Every plant that my heavenly Father has not planted will be pulled up by the roots. Leave them, they are blind guides. If the blind lead the blind, both will fall into a pit. Peter said, Explain the parable to us. Are you still so dull? Jesus asked them. Don't you see that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and then out of the body? But the things that come out of a person's mouth come from the heart, and these defile them. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. These are what defile a person. But eating with unwashed hands does not defile them. Well, I don't know if any of you here have ever read this um, book. Uh, what comes up? Maybe. There we go. What would Jesus eat? Uh, I admit I haven't, uh, but I have read some sympathetic reviews about it. Um, came out quite a number of years ago, providing what was called the Jesus Diet. And I'm told that the basic concept of the Jesus Diet was that we shouldn't consume foods that, were, um, that, would, that wouldn't have been part of the diet that Jesus would have eaten. And so apparently the, the Jesus Diet uh, would have included fish, uh, whole wheat bread, olives, figs, uh, dates, red wine, and so that is the way for us to go. Now, I must say that I, um, I am a big fan of olives. I always have been, and uh, I quite fancy fish. And uh, even a drop of red, I will always choose red over white if given the option. And so I was feeling really quite pleased when I read this. Uh, in fact, I just thought you should know that of late, I have actually been cutting down on simple carbohydrates. Uh, the staff will testify that they have seen me toasting my whole wheat bread. I think that's what it is. Uh, it has become my good friend. 
So the new year has produced in me just an extra measure of uh, righteousness as I have rid myself of those simple carbohydrates. And so I must admit that as I read Matthew chapter 15, verse 11 this week, uh, that my ego was deflated. Uh, Jesus says there, what goes into someone's mouth does not defile them, but what comes out of their mouth, that is what defiles them. Apparently, I cannot be so confident of my increase in godliness this year. Now, of course, Jesus wants us to care for our bodies, does he not? And that is a good thing, and I'm not actually knocking that. But what our passage for this morning, uh, it, it, what we see in our passage for this morning is that Jesus doesn't always make a point of the things that we might make a point of. Uh, the religious leaders ascribed great value to the detailed rules that they had come up with, whereas Jesus valued the commands of God. The religious leaders prioritised an outward sense of purity, including what went into their mouths, whereas Jesus prioritised an inward purity, noting that real godliness begins in the heart. See, Jesus did not always prioritise the things that we might be inclined to prioritise. And so it's worth us thinking this through. And so we turn to Matthew 15, Matthew chapter 15, and we notice here firstly that the Pharisees, uh, who are these religious leaders, the Pharisees prioritise tradition over the command of God. See, the Pharisees noticed that Jesus' disciples were not washing their hands before eating. And they have a go at him in verse 2. How could you let your disciples break the tradition of the elders and not wash hands before they eat? And the Pharisees see they're not worried about public health. That's not what this is about. Uh, it's not about keeping the germs away. And it, it wasn't even part of the ceremonial law that God had given to the Jews. Uh, Yes, there were certain washings in the Old Testament, such as a priest washing before entering the temple. Uh, But washing before you eat wasn't one of those regulations. Uh, This rule was just a tradition which had been added, along with a whole bunch of extra rules by the religious leaders over time. And so, I mean, now that the Pharisees are aghast, that the disciples aren't keeping those traditions, Jesus, what's going on? And so Jesus responds by saying, just hang on a second. Uh, You've got this big thing about your rules, but you don't seem so worried about the commands of God. And he reminds them of one of their traditions. It was the idea of devoting money as a gift to the temple. And that sounds good. Uh, But actually, I mean, you weren't even bound to give that money in the end. If you felt like actually you didn't have quite enough money after all, you could draw down upon your gift that was devoted to God. But what was perfectly reasonable to do under the tradition was that if your ageing mum says, hey, you know, your father's died and I just can't provide for myself anymore, um, son, 
please, could you help me out? It was quite okay to say, oh, sorry, mum, that money's devoted to God. And so Jesus says, hang on, you, you break the clear command of God. Honor your father and your mother. It's there in the fifth commandment. And you do that in preference for your human tradition. And that's not on. You know, I'm sure you'd be aware that tradition isn't always bad. There are lots of good traditions and we all have them. But what the Bible is never okay with is when our traditions become on par with or even above the command of God. See, one danger of traditions is that our standards can little by little become a substitute for God's standards so that our own measure of righteousness distracts us from, in fact, what God seeks from us. I remember a sad church situation once. Um, it involved a person who at different times had made a real point of certain traditions um, like wearing a Sunday best, um, these things were important to the individual and that's fine, there is nothing bad about wearing your Sunday best. But what was disturbing was that at the same time as worrying about your Sunday best were habits of slander. And one of the very things that Jesus mentions in verse 19, uh, habits that were causing deep wounds among the people of God. And so there was this kind of false sense of righteousness on the basis of human tradition, while at the same time the plain command of God was being ignored. And that is what Jesus is warning against here. Of course, just to say that, I mean, we don't have to restrict ourselves to churchy examples here. Uh, This week I I read a couple of articles about how to make the world a better place. Um, Here are several things that uh, people mentioned. Things like pick up trash, uh, stop consuming animal products, uh, keep your kids' vaccinations up to date, switch to tubeless toilet paper, foster an animal, have one meat-free day per week, donate used clothing. These things, I think, we would say, I mean, that's good, can be helpful things to do, good things. But I think the caution that perhaps we would do well to hear is that if we switch to tubeless toilet paper but dishonour mum and dad, or if we foster an animal but tell lies to our friends, or if we have one meat-free day a week, but commit sexual immorality, if those things become substitutes for keeping the clear commands of God, then we're in the same situation as, the, uh, as Jesus was speaking to here. Because the Pharisees prioritised their human standards over the commands of God. This is the first thing that Jesus um, comments on. And then the second thing that Jesus comments on here is that the Pharisees prioritised outward over inward cleanness. Okay, in verses 8 and 9, Jesus warns that the Pharisees, though they honour God with their lips, 
yet their hearts are far from him. And in verse 10 and onwards, Jesus challenges the whole mentality of the Pharisees. I see the Pharisees imagine that by manipulating things outside of them, they could keep their hearts clean. Don't let you know, dirty hands enter your, uh, have food enter your mouth. Um, as they washed their hands and did these outward cleansing rituals, um, their hearts would be clean. But Jesus says, not true. It's not what goes into you that makes you defiled, he says. You're unclean because of what comes out of you. It comes out of our hearts. The problem is on the inside. And so he says in verse 19 that it's from the heart that come all these things, evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander, and so on. It starts in the heart. See, if we imagine that sin really is a problem that's out there rather than in here, it feels a whole lot more manageable, doesn't it? And so we can kind of um, build in our standard operating procedures for life. And as long as we keep them, we're okay. We've kept evil away and we can feel feel good about ourselves. This is why um, in religions where salvation is by works, by what you do, and not by grace, um, in religions like that, Traditions and outward rules do have a tendency to to multiply, to accumulate. Now, again, please don't hear me wrong. I'm I'm not saying that all traditions are bad. Um, They're not. They can be very helpful. I'm aware we have traditions here at Christ Central. I'm, I'm aware of that. But what you do tend to see in religions where our good deeds contribute to our salvation is that outward rules accumulate. Accumulate, they multiply, you get more and more and more and more and more of them. Why? Because I feel like if I can keep sin as being something which is out there rather than in here, then I've got a chance of um, minimizing, uh, uh, controlling it and minimizing my debt with God. And if I feel like I can add in some extra traditions to earn me points with God, wash your hands, wear robes, light candles, um, whatever it might be, um, it's going to add some positive merit and I can achieve those things. And I mean, that's just going to help the balances so that maybe I can get closer to making it after all. And that's the direction that the Pharisees um, had gone in. And you know, you should understand that Jesus is actually really sharp in response to this. He says in verse 13 that the Pharisees don't even belong to the Father. He says um, they're plants that will ultimately be uprooted. See, we can never do enough to atone for our wrongdoing. And we can never fence out sin with our traditions. We just can't do it. Because our problem at its deepest level, is in the heart. And so if you're here today and you're not a Christian, I just I want to say to you that religious deeds are not the way of finding salvation. You find salvation through 
grace alone, through what Jesus has done alone. Outward deeds will not save you. And friends, for those of us here who are Christians, can I say that I think it's really helpful for us to be reminded of the priority of our heart. Uh, That's where Jesus' priority was, and it needs to be our emphasis in the Christian life. We could mention a whole bunch here, but let me talk about three areas where going back to the heart is important. Firstly, think of worship. Jesus mentioned that down in verse 8. This people honours me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Okay, the, the Pharisees were okay with a kind of hollow acknowledgement of God. What was going on on the inside didn't matter. And how easy that is to kind of well, sit in church or um, sing words on a screen or um, read out Bibles privately or with um, family, whatever it might be, and, and still for our hearts to actually be somewhere else. Whether we're dis- distracted by work or relationships or um, whatever it might be. And, and so Jesus actually redirects us back to God and, and to a heart attention toward him. The point is that we want to engage. We, we don't want our times with God to, to be mere box ticking. Our heart matters when it comes to worship. And our heart matters too as we seek change in our lives. Okay, do you notice down in verse 19 that as Jesus talks about things that proceed out of the heart, that he actually, in fact, he he spends most of his time talking about a bunch of actions. Uh, He speaks first of evil thoughts, yes, but he then also mentions things that happen outwardly, sexual immorality, theft, false testimony, slander. Uh, See, I mean, Jesus does care about our our outward actions. It's just that he wants us to get um, that the problem starts on the inside. And so if we want to see change in our lives, it's important that we address our hearts. Uh, We need to work through the heart issues that are involved. If you're someone that um, gets angry often, uh, the solution may seem to be to try to deal with things that um, provoke you. Unreasonable boss. Uh, clothes all over the floor, noisy kids, people who steal your thongs at home, just as a random example. Uh, Manage the external factors. That'll fix it. But actually it won't because there will always be something else. Uh, And so it's better to think, are there actually unhelpful things that are going on inside of me when I get angry? Is it pride? Is it a sense of entitlement, that things always have to go my way? Maybe anxiety in one way or another. Perhaps a heightened need for control. Maybe some kind of bitterness there. Start with your heart and think through how the gospel of Jesus can help you with that. So change doesn't begin with a bunch of external solutions. Change begins with the heart. Our heart matters if we're going to change. 
And can I say, if that's true for us, it's true also as we seek to help others change too. Okay, can I speak here just a little on the topic of bringing up kids? Now, just to say I I hate um, giving advice on bringing up kids. Um, I think before you have kids, you have a lot of wisdom to offer, and then after you have kids, you realize you have very little. Uh, But for what it's worth, I do think that I parent better when I keep the heart of my children in mind, and I think I parent worse when I don't. Okay, I reckon as parents, it's very easy for us to aim at just kind of seeing the right behaviours in our kids. Stopping the argument, saying sorry, speaking respectfully, whatever it might be. Obviously, we want all of those things. But the shortcut approach is just to be happy with the outward behaviours and not to, not to have those times when we really do seek to engage with the heart. Um, helping kids see what their choices are showing about themselves, about what's going on. Um, listening carefully to, to them and to what's actually bothering them. Um, and speaking the truth and the grace of the gospel into those moments. Now, that kind of engagement with what's going on inside our kids, it's actually a lot harder. And obviously what that looks like changes with age. But I I have found the need to remind myself at a whole range of stages that I want to care not just about the particular outward action, but that I actually want to have an eye towards the heart. See, our natural tendency, I think, is to fall into a similar kind of mentality to the religious leaders of Jesus' day. We, it's easier to externalise, uh, to, to deal with things that seem more achievable, uh, to prioritise the outward. But Jesus says, no, our priority needs to be on the heart. Well, then let me finish by talking about finding a clean heart. Okay, I appreciate that in some senses what we've been talking about this morning. I mean, it can sort of, it can feel depressing, can't it? Um, uh, Because when we cast our eye toward our hearts, we have just a little sense of what that is like. And we appreciate the And when we appreciate that outward cleanness is not the priority but inward cleanness, uh, I mean, we realise that actually we're not clean and that can feel really discouraging. But you see, Jesus tells us these things because he wants us to look for help in the right places. Uh, He wants us to see that we need a cleansing that's actually just far more profound than any ritual cleansing or any outward rules can offer. Uh, We need a cleansing that only Jesus can offer. Now, if you head a few pages back to Matthew chapter 8, Matthew chapter 8, verses 1 through to 3, you've got an interaction there with Jesus and a leper. In Israel at the time, a leper was someone who was regarded as unclean. In fact, uh, when a leper went 
anywhere. They, they actually had to call out unclean, unclean to let everybody know. Uh, leprosy was a chronic infectious disease characterized by sores, scabs, white shining spots. At the time, it was incurable. And ceremonially, it meant you were defiled. Uh, you were unclean for life because you had this lifelong illness. And yet what happens in the story in Matthew 8 is that the leper asks for Jesus for help and Jesus agrees to help. He agrees to heal him and he, he reaches out and he touches the leper, something, something nobody in Israel would normally do, not just for health reasons, but because it meant you became ritually unclean yourself. But Jesus reached out and he touched the leper. And he cleansed him while becoming ritually impure himself. And you know what this, uh, uh, and you know, this is what Jesus does for every sinner that calls out to him for mercy. Jesus cleanses us. Jesus reaches out and at the cross he takes upon himself our uncleanness, our sin that we might be cleansed before God. As you know, not only are we given a status of purity before God so that we can be right with him, but also we are given a new heart so that God actually begins to change us from the inside out to give us new desires for him and for his ways. So here is the answer we need to our uncleanness. We need the cleansing of Jesus. So we don't need more human rules to bolster our sense of righteousness. We don't need more traditions. None of those things can offer you even the slightest cleansing before God. They can only give you a false Security, we don't need those things. Because the one and only thing you need for cleansing is Jesus. So let's seek his help for cleansing and let's live lives pursuing obedience to our God from the heart. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for our Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, Thank you for his wise diagnosis of our human need, uh, that that our hearts are defiled. Uh, Thank you for the cleansing that we find in him. And do help us, we pray, to pursue obedience to the commands of God, not substituting them uh, with our own standards, but pursuing them from the heart. We pray this in Jesus' name.